Welcome to the Reimagine Podcast. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. A place in which we reimagine life and faith, where we link, we learn, and we live together. Today's podcast, episode four, will be about mission and what that looks like to reimagine mission in today's culture. So welcome. You know, as we get started, I was thinking about this past weekend. I've heard some great stories about people's Easter time together as family. So how about Easter at your house over the weekend? Different? Yeah, Easter at our house was uh, a little different, obviously, and we couldn't do everything in the same way that we did before. But I feel like we were able to uh, do a lot of the same things that our family does on an Easter Sunday, um, but just at a different pace. And so the nice thing was um, just being able to move from activity to activity, um, some of the traditions that we do at our house. But there wasn't a rush on it. We didn't have to get it done by a certain time so we could be someplace else. Um, so that part of it was nice. Uh, Easter mornings can are great times, but are are busy and full times. Um, but uh, this this past Easter was was a nice change, I think, for us. Yeah, I, Easter was good. Had a good time. Uh, ate the Easter ham, uh, typical stuff that you do uh, at our house on Easter. And uh, what was funny was that this weekend, uh, Katie and Zach were moving, and so uh, what they didn't do is they didn't invite me to help them move, which was kind of unusual, you know. Uh, but there's a reason for that. Because uh, the history of moving and helping my son-in-law and daughter move is that I always injure myself. And so every move, I've injured myself. So they th- either they thought I didn't want to injure Dad again or he's getting too old to be able to help us to move. So I didn't have to move on Easter with them. So I got to chill, eat ham and chill. Yeah. And so it was kind of good with our family. You actually played that just right. Yeah, I wisdom mean, prevailed. That's the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Wisdom has prevailed. Temporary pain, but look where it's got. got <laughs> you, now. Right. you don't have to move anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I tell my kids, uh, you might be able to outplay me, but you can't outsmart me. Yeah. <laughs> I will win in the end, right? <laughs> That's right. Which leads to uh, my uh, Easter kind of thing, actually. Uh, so I did have to practice the discipline on Friday for Good Friday. I did go out and buy a nice piece of fish and have a Good Friday meal just to acknowledge the fact that it is Good Friday because crisis was appearing to cloud the cross a little bit. So mm-hmm. I had to create some kind of discipline there. So we did have... Good Friday uh, fish dinner. And then Sunday, uh, we got up and I participated, and um, Kelly was doing her Bible study online, whatever. So I went outside and participated just in praying over the city a little bit, and then uh, just kind of doing a, a liturgy and reading that aloud. And that was that was different for me, but it was it was really cool for me to be able to do that. So that was really fun. And then the boys came over. Uh, well, one of them, Brendan's at home, but Tyler came over in the afternoon, and we went down to the James River and just spent about an hour and a half together just fishing. And so that was nice. really that was special for me just to have them there and watch them fish and just kind of talk. And I actually told them, I you know they were fishing, and then um, we we were getting ready to leave. I said, well, let me throw another line in there. And so I, I threw it in there and I acted like I caught one, you know. And and, and Brendan's like, uh, naturally, because we hadn't caught anything. And I said, no, I really don't have anything, but I want to tell you something. I said. You know, one of the great joys of being a father, as I watched my father, was the things that he did, and I thought, how did he do that? I said, I, I'm going to tell you all the secret now. There's yeah. things raising you that I asked myself after they happened, how did I just do that? <laughs> but you thought it was great. So uh, just a real special time with them and be able to do that as well. So Easter was different, but it was it was really uh, meaningful, and I think I'm hearing that across the board from people who are, you know, as I ask them, you know, how are you doing, or what was your Easter like? That's kind of the conversation that we're getting. So on another note, though, real quickly, 
because uh, this could be a whole episode, but but it won't be. Uh, how about your mask? Like, you got a sp- specific design you're wearing in terms of your facial mask? <laughs> or do you want a specific design? Ah, I don't know. Uh, mask, uh, yeah. I mean, right now they're kind of plain looking at the house. And I did order the like the surgical mask type thing that are arriving this week. But, uh, yeah, we've got some uh, T-shirt masks that have been done. Has some folks that made some for us that had some like superhero stuff on it. Joe made us a mask like that. But uh, I'm just thinking I'm going to create a whole line of masks. That's going to be my set, my, my, my part-time job. A little side hustle. <laughs> a little side hustle. I'm going to have all kinds of religious sayings on it, but like weird religious sayings on them, I think. because <laughs> Obscure Levitical passages. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> That's perfect. Right. <laughs> really get people thinking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what about you? That's great. No, I don't. I don't have any. Uh, but Penny's churning out some masks. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're sewing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No knitting. 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 Yeah. People don't like the knitted masks for some reason. I don't understand. <laughs> the wool's a little itchy. Yeah, on the little face. condensation they say builds up, and it's not. Yeah. It's not. You're kind of holy, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> defeats the purpose. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So we're cranking out some masks, but, you know, they're from, like, fitted sheets and stuff. So it's, you know, doilies and flowers and things. So, yeah, I, I, need, I need a good religious mask because, you know, if you, if you really love Jesus, then you wear <laughs> religious masks. Obscure Leviticus yes. passage yes. on yeah. your Yes, on everybody your knows this. We don't have to say it, but that's just how it is. So, yeah. That's yeah, here's at. a time that the church can lead, and we're going to start following again, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It is weird, though. Uh, I dropped Penny off into the, the, the store. She ran in, and uh, and then as she was I just seeing all the people coming in and out looking like they just robbed a bank. But they're all, <laughs> yes. you know, they're all, everybody now is... Uh, is wearing masks, so it's good. It's good. I think it's important, but uh, but it is an adjustment. It is. Probably, probably the best masks. mask that I saw was somebody that had like a, a pot holder. You know those heated pot holders? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. they put string and tied it around their ears, so it like covered up their whole face yeah. underneath. And it was this big pot holder in their face. That's <laughs> I, I think that's kind of hard to breathe through. Yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But it really is a good way, though, if you can get one that kind of identifies your personality. It's like a good belt, you know. It 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 <laughs> identifies who you are and your personality. At least that's what I do with belts. Yeah. But uh, you know, so if you can't talk or see people, you walk by and you got this mask on. I know. Yeah. Uh, you're this kind of right. right the right. doily and the lace. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. ra- I don't know. Rather yeah. interesting. We're going to see yeah. more of those coming out. Uh, so watch for Brad's line of. Mask. Mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Religious mask. Religious right. mask. Yeah. <laughs> Price to yet be determined. Uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, so, okay. So back uh, to episode four. Yeah, what, what we're, we're talking about here? We're, we're, we're going to really, mission. We're really mission. four episodes in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, let's talk about mission. And first, I guess, you know, the theme that we have is talking about questions. So uh, what's not different for the mission uh, up front? And then really, what is the mission for a follower of Christ? Thoughts on that? Well, I think maybe if you talk about what's mission, what's not different, what is a mission for the follower of Christ? Um, maybe it's defining what a Jesus follower is. And I think there are a couple of different distinctives in that definition. Uh, if we're going to find it, and we've done that around here at Cool Spring, that typically the Christ follower, the Jesus follower, loves God, loves others, abides with Jesus and models his life and, and mission. And so from that definition, I think we can build what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus on mission, what that looks like, but what's not different today. And I think um, with that, I mean, Jesus 
mission was, hey, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. I mean, uh, it's it's that whole aspect of uh, now as Jesus followers that we are proclaiming something that has happened uh, because of which nothing else would be the same, you know. Um, and I totally stole that from N.T. <laughs> Wright, but... Uh, but I mean, that's the truth. I mean, it's this, it's this understanding that there is a new reality we're living in now that we're inviting people to come into, you know, that, that second Corinthians passage there, that we're Christ's ambassadors mm. as though, as though God were making his appeal through us, be reconciled to God, come back home. Like you don't, you don't have to stay away. The doors are open and dinner's ready and mm-hmm. we've got a mask for you. So come on, come on in, come on in. We got you. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's definitely, um, that's definitely the mission there. Yeah. Yeah, two words hit me when I think about mission is sent and multiplication. So from Old Testament to New Testament, the idea of being sent is always there. And so what's not changed is the calling upon us or our purpose, and that is to live sent. Mm -hmm. And as we're living sent, then what happens is multiplication. As you begin to share your story, as you begin to... Uh, engage in people's lives, uh, you see it, it becomes contagious, right? And so multiplication takes place uh, within the believers. So those two things are, are a couple of things that I think about, living sent multiplication. So what is different, though? If we talk about uh, what's not different, now we talk about what is different. Um, what are the... Because I think right now people are looking at different as being an obstacle. Hmm. And, you know, obstacles... How we view obstacles are going to determine how we live out mission. So I was just thinking about, um, you know, from a historical perspective, there was a a Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, uh, and he had the notion to write uh, years ago, pinned it down because he lived during, you know, this creative outpouring of the Renaissance and all these different uh, struggles that uh, he came across from every group, every gender, every class, every business. And there was just continual obstacles. And he, but he wrote these words down He said, the impediment to action advances action. Hmm. What stands in the way becomes the way. And so all about how we view the obstacle really makes a difference in how we live the mission. There's a story of Thomas Edison. um, When he was 67 years old, uh, he left his his research lab and his his factory, and he goes home, and he has dinner. And all of a sudden, this neighbor comes down, and he knocks on the door, and Mr. Edison, Mr. Edison, your your plant is on fire. And so he gets up, he runs, and his son goes down there with him, and he stands there, and he looks at this burning building taking place and tells his son, go get your mother and tell her friends to come. They'll never see a fire like this again. Hmm, like, wow. and, and so he's watching this thing become rubbish, but yet his view of this obstacle in front of, in front of him is that I, th- this is fascinating. This is great. This is something we've never seen before. And he just views it as rubbish going down and will start again. So those two things kind of hit me about how do we view obstacles and what are we thinking about in terms of living out even in the different? Isn't it interesting? I was thinking um, the story in John where Jesus was crucified. His disciples are all huddling together in fear, it says, um, in this room. And uh, something that even though Jesus had made comment, something they did not expect happened and they were struggling to figure how do we move forward what does this look like now our messiah is dead we watched him die and and what do we do with that and they're huddling there in fear and then it says that jesus appears in front of them here they are in this little room just isolating themselves uh and yet jesus appears in front of them and says um uh, as the father has sent me so i send you 
uh, and then he breathes on them the Holy Spirit, John says. That's like, uh, to me, that's a very powerful illustration of the time that we're in when everything is, has changed that we knew or the way that we used to operate or the way that we used to imagine mission. Um, and, our, and sometimes the default reaction is just to huddle in fear and, mm. and, um, and, and to isolate. Uh, and yet Jesus stands in our midst and says, no, you're still sent. Like, you still have this mission, um, and the Holy Spirit is going with you, so, so go. And they, it, it's going to look different, uh, but, but the church has always been adjusting to this, and church has always been uh, ad- adjusting the way in which the mission goes forward, but the gospel's still going forward, and, mm-hmm. and uh, a, a virus can't, can't stop that. Uh, very true, very true. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important for us to realize is the mission is still there. The mission has never, never changed. Um, it's not different, but what is different today? I mean, things have changed. Uh, COVID has changed some things for us, and will for the next several years, and may, may for the lifetime. But I think what's one of the things that's changed also: the platforms have changed. Um, what we're using, what we're trying to um, employ to be able to engage <clears throat> with folks. Uh, we think about um, we think about the platforms such as Zoom. We think about online. I mean, we were all in a conversation last night talking about. I'm talking about the uh, online worship and what we're doing here at Cool Spring and just how we can, uh, I guess, increase uh, the effectiveness of that as well. But I think platforms are an interesting piece. <clears throat> I find it interesting with Zoom, for instance. Zoom, uh, prior to COVID, had about 10 million uh, people that were at least um, licensed on their platform. Now they have 200 million uh, just a few months later. Now, that's pretty significant growth, but people are recognizing that there's an importance in staying connected and being connected and looking at different platforms to use for that. Um, so I think that's interesting uh, from the standpoint. And you all have used it. I mean, you all have had to switch platforms. I and mean, we were talking about even recreation and doing fitness online and those kind of things as well. So, I mean, those things have obviously changed. But I do think... I do think that um, this is an unprecedented opportunity, and we're talking about opportunities, but it's unprecedented opportunity to give hope. I, I think we're living in a peace and an age where the church has an opportunity that it's not had in several generations. And we think about in terms of giving hope. We think about the gospel. We think about caring and loving and working uh, for the, the the welfare of others. I mean, this is a huge, huge opportunity. And we have platforms to leverage. We have the gospel to share. Um, so I think when I think about the aspects of, you know, what's changed in COVID, the platforms have changed, the precedent, the opportunity. If you're reading studies that are going on, <clears throat> man, there's so many. I mean, the fear aspect, the concern over finances and money, if you're watching the headlines, I mean, just lots of stuff going on that shows us that, that truly culture is ripe for for a message for the gospel. Um, and I think for us, and this is the other piece, I was thinking last night in the conversation that um, we as a church, even though things have changed, we can't spend our time being reactive. We have to be proactive. And that's that part of reimagining. Um, in other words, we've spent some time being reactive to our circumstance, but we have to be proactive in that circumstance as well in the mission. Yeah, it's really interesting that if we look at less than 5% of churches had a fully developed reproducing discipleship model, right, within the last several years. And so there's multiple conversations about that. But within the last three months, we've seen a 300% increase of online engagement for yeah. spiritual formation. Yeah. 
pe- people are, are, are going and asking questions or at least thinking about and attending, whether they're known online or not, they're in there, and we're seeing like 300% increase uh, in global church participation. So it, it's it's just crazy how it went from less than 5% churches had a fully reproducing model to now we've gone complete opposite that there's this large mass of opportunity for engagement and conversation in regard to spiritual formation with people. So what is it, we, we talked about uh, what is not changing, what has changed. So the practical question and the deeper dive here for the next couple of minutes is what does reimagined mission look like uh, in light of platform change, adjustments, transitions, uh, but yet let's not make the mission complicated at the same time. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a huge part of it. You know, uh, we talk about coming to faith as a little child, and uh, I think we come to mission like that also. I mean, I'm, I look at our children right now. I mean, we're about a month into this thing, right? So at first, things kind of they were trying to hold on to similar patterns and and doing the same games and doing this stuff. Now, I mean, they're they're making up like the craziest stuff. You know, they're doing we're doing lip lip sync things in, in <laughs> turning on Alexa, right? So uh, uh, Evan was. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't share this. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, mind. come on, no, come on. No, but, he, no. but Evan has long flowing hair, he and has, he is rocking. Yeah. Like, yeah. The so, 80s. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he'll put on band. some Guns N' Roses and just, you know, just lip sync that thing or uh, yeah. a little uh, boy named Sue, uh, <laughs> Johnny Cash action. Oh, man. Uh, perfect, perfect. So, but it's what's fascinating is like they're creating things, like they're, they're, they're passing the time in new ways. And I think having that kind of perspective where if, Everything is on the table here. I mean, we can reimagine mission in all kinds of ways. So what does that look like? And and it's just as simple as possible, like a child who's creating games or finding new ways to spend their time. I mean, we are invited into the conversation to say, what what would you do? And and you don't even have to be super creative. Like a phone call is not what we would consider a creative thing. But man, oh man, right now in this time, a phone call is golden. Like right. people, I mean, that is such an expression of love right now um, that even even committing to a phone call a day is is a, a thoughtful way to live out the mission to show the good news, right? Um, so I think I think approaching it from this from a childlike wonder, where man, what how how does God want to use what I have in order to to impact other people, to show them uh, what God is like. Yeah, absolutely. So where do we start? You know, I mean, that's part of the spiritual formation question in that. Uh, We have to start. uh, Sometimes I think we can get busy in our mind. It's like Mary and Martha's story. We get busy in our mind with how to plan all these things out. But to start, uh, for me, uh, is just a discipline to know those who live around me and, and just begin to think about, their daily activity or what I knew about them, their job, their place, their interest, and then just begin to ask the question, how is it that I can be a part of their life in this? So it's not profound, but it is. There is a place of starting that has to be silent so I can be reflective to observe, see, and hear. I can be missionally because I know about them and who they are Mm -hmm. and where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, and even pray. I mean, even just starting in prayer— which which we use as like bookends to things, but really, I mean, that's what the church has always done. They've begun the mission um, with prayer uh, and praying for those people that you're interacting with, praying for your neighbors, for your family, 
praying and asking God, God, what are you up to today? How are you working? And uh, and who do I need to talk to? You know, and then listening. Who who comes to your mind? Who does God bring to your mind that you know you need to interact with? Some of our interactions these last few weeks have come from that. It's come from Penny, who said, "I I feel like we need to do this." Uh, for this person, or I feel like we need to make this call, or we need to drive by their house and and just honk and wave, and uh, you know, never interact beyond that. We just need to do that. So, man, that's that's such a huge part of it. Who who are we praying for right now, um, beyond our our immediate family, but who else in our community, in our neighborhoods, next door are we uh, are we going to God with in prayer? I think I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah, I think the the part of the conversation, and I think you both hit on this too, at least for me, it's asking questions, and it's being, I mean, it's asking questions of God, and it's asking questions from people. It's it's how are you doing? It's what's going on in your life? How can, uh, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? I think it is about being proactive in the questioning, because when we ask questions, we get answers. But I think that's also a practical application of how Jesus lived. If we look at how Jesus walked when he was on this earth, he asked questions. Now, oftentimes he knew the answer to that question, but he was asking questions of people. And I think that's engaging. It, it sends the message that you're concerned, that you care about them, that you want to know something about them. And so I think if we're doing that proactively, that's also a part of being on the mission. Because when we hear them speak back to us and we're asking God specifically what we can do, we'll hear the message. We'll hear what it is that we can do, just like driving by the house. It's just like uh, providing or doing something or cooking dinner or putting something on somebody's porch or whatever it might be as a gift. Uh, it's, it's a matter of we'll hear, we'll know what we're to do if we're asking those questions. So some of the practical things that come out of it, you know, people are asking, what is that? So after, you know, a time of thinking and processing those things, you know, just some of the things that are practically speaking. I, I know, Brian, you participated in um, being a good neighbor uh, project and, you know, sent some application out in regards to that. But, you know, praying uh, certainly there, care packages, uh, delivering meals or, or, you know, gift bags or certain things buying groceries for people, contacting by phone or text is, is some of the key things as well, and asking questions in that. How to, You know, one of the neatest stories I heard this week was uh, from uh, one of our, our staff members who's taking blogs that have been written, and he's actually combined them together to make them a spiritual manual, mm-hmm. and he's delivering them to our uh, senior adult population so that they can have reading material and they can connect with uh, Cool Spring in a, right. in a different way. And I just thought, man... That right, that that's creative. See, you you yeah. thought about what were, what was being done, but you applied it to a need uh, for uh, people to have, and so that was really really cool to hear that that story. So, just some practical things in regards to that, and everybody's neighborhood, everybody's community is different. So, what is the application for you in it? Yeah. You know, I, I think there is a <clears throat> another story in, as well, and I was talking last night to someone whose uh, wife is doing groceries and picking up groceries for somebody. And I heard about the story, but I didn't know their connects. I'm like, well, how do these two people connect? I don't, they, they kind of run in different circles. And what was funny was the connection was Brian, you find this interesting that a couple of years ago when we were doing kind of those neighborhood meets in people's houses or whatever, that's how this couple met the other couple was in their neighborhood meeting. And mm-hmm. 
they found out about their need uh, for groceries and for somebody to go to the store because they fit in the high risk category. And so this, uh, this lady, what she does is she puts her money out, her list out and her coupons. <laughs> and, and then uh, this lady picks it up, does the grocery shopping and brings it back to her. And I'm thinking, how cool is that? Cause I didn't know how they connected, but their connection was neighborhood. And so maybe that's part of this, Part of this story is that we're looking at people who are in our neighborhood that we may have a connection with or we can develop a connection with, even though we're isolated, even though we're in quarantine and we can help out people like that. So what's different is that we were a a wide, broader people in the sense that, you know, we lived here, but we traveled to play sports Mm -hmm. here. We traveled to eat dinner in this part of the city. We went over here to shop. But what's changed and what can enhance the mission is we're now a community in a small group. That's your neighborhood. That's your that's your street. You know, I mean, you can even take it down from just your neighborhood down to your street and know who the houses are on both sides or across, right? So now we're going to be living in community rather than living in cities. I mean, and, and when I use the term city, I mean this broad metroplex. Right. Yeah, I think uh, we're we we're noticing a shift right now be, because of the limitations that uh, people cannot look just to the church to provide here are the mission opportunities out there and then you join in it's really um, the church is looking to the people the church in each home uh, is a church right now and uh, and your neighborhood is your mission and so um, now it's becoming okay how do how do the ministers of the church support the the work of the people and recognizing that if you're listening to this that you are equipped, like you have, you the Spirit of God is with you, and you look around at what you have, and you look at how you can use that for others to show and tell the gospel. Um, so we need we need the church to uh, recognize that they they are here in this moment for a reason, and that God is using them, and, and in small ways. I just got a email before uh, while I was setting up this morning from a lady who. Um, who said, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm, I walk around the church parking lot every afternoon. And, uh, and she said um, she wanted to let me know how she appreciated the smiles and the highs from my girls who are on their bicycles. She <laughs> said, I'm not even sure if they belong to you or not. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> we rent them out as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're, they're ours. They're ours. Um, but she said, this small gesture means a lot in this time of social distancing. Please let them know that even a small gesture means so much. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, any, any opportunity is there for anybody to do the simplest things uh, for another person and to live out that mission. Uh, they can do it. And, and we need we need that, and we're seeing that happen all over, and it's, it's a very exciting thing. And I think it's important to realize that this is a part of how we grow spiritually. You know, when we talk about formation and we talk about thriving spiritually, it is about the one-on-one relationship that we have with Christ and about how God speaks to us and how the Holy Spirit moves in us. And so we recognize that we have that relationship. And we also recognize this relationship and community, that as believers we have a community that we attach ourselves to, that we relate to, that we're connected with, that encourage one another. But then there's this aspect of how we live out faith and live out faith on mission. And all these three, it's not like one, it's one, two, three in the different steps. They all coincide together to be able to 
spiritually thrive, you have to be in relationship with the Father. To be able to spiritually thrive, you have to be in community in in some new way, in a sense, in our reimagining community. But we have to be we have to be connected in mission. We have to be living out faith, living out the gospel, in a sense that we're living on God's redemptive mission and how He's leading us. And as we are as we are connected in each of these three areas, God is maturing us. He is growing us. He is literally allowing us to flourish and to thrive. And so I think that's part of this conversation for the last several weeks when we talk about spiritually thriving because it will it will impact all the other parts of life that we'll be talking about in the next few weeks as well. Yeah, so just kind of recapping today as we talk about reimagining mission, we you know, the mission is the same. Yeah. So what we're reimagining is, is the platforms that uh, have been disrupted, yeah. but yet will yield uh, greater community in the process. Absolutely. So we're we're living sent and understanding that we have been sent from the beginning. Uh, we're being proactive and uh, being being proactive in our discipline to seek how is it I connect to the person beside me across the street uh, in my neighborhood, uh, more local ideas, and then we're asking questions. Uh, so with questions comes opportunity in the process, and then we're just living in our community, knowing that you are equipped to do the work of the, mm-hmm. of the believer. Uh, these are um, extraordinary times, and, but yet all throughout Scripture you see those times where great things happen. Absolutely. And it didn't necessarily start with they had all the answers to do it. They just knew grace abounded, there's an opportunity, and Watch it unfold before you and join in on it. So as we close today on the Reimagine podcast, I do want to let you know that we are available to subscribe to. Just look up Reimagine on iTunes or Overcast, uh, and you can download that. I want to encourage you to share that with other people. You can rate it, and again, always a five-star rating. If not, wait and listen (laughs) again. Five, five, five. We'll give you another chance for a five-star rating. (laughs) That's right. Please. For Greg and Brad and Brian, thanks for being part of the Reimagined Podcast. Hey, and share the stories of what you're experiencing with us. We'll see you next time on the Reimagined. 